Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics doesn't get much better to be a sports fan this week because the excitement is building, erupting, cannot be contained, especially for football fans in this beautiful country, because not only is football back, it is back all the way this week with the start of college football as we know it. The teams that you can actually name will be taking the field this weekend The National Football League takes the field this weekend. Thursday night, you'll see both. All weekend long, you'll have both. We have playoffs happening at the same time. Major League Baseball is being played. This is the time of the year that months ago people dreamed about and hoped about because sports would be bountiful. Folks that need to go apple picking and pumpkin picking and other fall activities with their significant others during this time period can now say, nay, nay, we've had five months without my favorite sports. I will not be going to pick your apples. I will not be going to pick your pumpkins. We will not be going frolicking through the leaves and seeing all the colors change from now until the snow falls. Unless you're in Denver, because sweet Lord, it went from 105 degrees to six to 12 inches of snow. But I digress. We must. 85 in a day or two. Unbelievable. There's no such thing as global warming. No, of course not. As half of California burns to the ground and is a tinge of an Instagram filter. Just waking up today, people in California wake up and the sky and the world is orange. And meteorologists are like, it's not as bad as you might think it is. Oh, no, this is not supposed to be happening. I'm supposed to find this as a filter on my phone, not wake up to it when I get out of bed. Anyway, the NBA playoffs, folks, particularly the game that we just watched before we record this show, the series that Al proclaimed on this program several weeks in a row that he was looking forward to the most has shockingly not disappointed thus being the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics who go to a game seven to decide who moves on in the Eastern conference. It's everything that it's been built up to be back and forth, thrilling finishes, buzzer beaters, overtimes. It's had everything that Al predicted. And now he can happily tell you about such prediction. The bottom line, Johnny, and to all our listeners, is that the NBA has and is, has been and is, quite simply, bubblicious. Off the charts, tonight, the, the series that I was drooling over, the potential for the series that I was drooling over when the seedings got matched up was number two, Toronto, against number three, Boston, in the East. Boston jumps out to the two love lead against the defending champs and then lo and behold a miracle finish off of one of the great inbound passes in the history of the sport catch and shoot for a game-winning three makes it 2-1 off the great pass by Lowry they battle their way to a game four win Boston controls throughout game five and tonight an absolute NBA classic Toronto in charge for most of the game could not pull away winds up going to overtime, back and forth we go with Boston out early, Toronto comes back, winds up double overtime, and then it's the same old story. It's the little general, the little engine that could, as I said to Nick Wright, as I said to Frank Iasola, you can take any guard you want. 
You can take Dame. You can take James Harden. You can take Russ. You can take Chris Paul. All probably future Hall of Famers. And I can't think of anybody in the East possibly other than Kemba Walker. You can take them all. In the last five minutes of any NBA game with my life on the line, I will take every time Kyle Lowry. And tonight, the little warrior got it done again. Every big shot, every big spot, every big steal, playing, I believe, 53 minutes, gassed, the game clinching shot with a little turnaround fadeaway about 13 feet in the lane, knocked on his face, steals, played the two overtimes with five fouls, was in the middle of everything, didn't force, just a brilliant effort, and somehow, some way, the Raptors, gritty, gutty champions, survive. We will have a game seven. I can't expect it to be anywhere near as what I just saw. My only hope is that it is a competitive game seven. And meanwhile, the Miami Heat are sitting and licking their chops and dancing in the aisles and say, go play another eight overtimes on Friday night. We'll take on whoever it is that somehow, some way survives that war. A tremendous game tonight. Jalen Brown coming of age. He was brilliant. And I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. I just said it again. I am a man crush on Kyle Lowry. It's as simple as that. If it was on our Lakers, they'd win 70 games. He's the perfect fit. He has gone from the maligned postseason player to the brilliant postseason player. Never quits, never gives up, never stops fighting, and is just as tenacious a player as I have seen in this league in recent memory. And tonight, he was brilliant. He plays the perfect role for Toronto and he plays one of the better roles in the league where he's a guy that pretty much I would think all other teams fan bases hate scrappy physical sometimes maybe takes a call a little bit too showboaty or floppy, but he does everything possible for Toronto to win. And if you're a fan of the Raptors, he's, he's your guy. It's nice being a fan when you have that type of player on your team where you might have hated him somewhere else, you know other people hate him, but when he's on your team, you love it. It's the same for Russell Westbrook, and we'll talk about the West obviously coming up, but that's another player where even if he doesn't come up to the level you'd want him to, even if he doesn't succeed at something, even if he comes up short, the moments where he's done the exact opposite have to somewhat outweigh when he doesn't have a good game, when he doesn't do something right, because you've seen him do it for you and he gives everything he has to do it for you. For those I types of guys, very, it's, it's hard to not love the money. Very interesting comment tonight on the car ride home. When I had the game on, on the radio in the fourth quarter, before I came back in the house. From the Boston announcers, Cornbread Maxwell queried his partner. And it is a very interesting question. Kyle Lowry, greatest Raptor ever? I.E. has he passed the great Vince Carter, who obviously was not a Raptor his entire career, but clearly the prime of his career, the beginning of his career and the prime of his career. a great chunk of which was spent as a Raptor. We'll be a Hall of Famer, just retired. Um, who else would be in that mix? DeMar DeRozan, Lowry's best friend, uh, Tracy McGrady, much traveled. But I, I think it comes down to Lowry or Vince Carter. And now it's hard to argue against Kyle Lowry, considering the fact he has a championship. He has become the leader of this team, and it seems like the bigger the moment, the bigger Kyle Lowry plays. And he's now at the, at the point where a bad game is a bad game. You will not castigate Kyle Lowry for a bad game. He now has the respect. He now has um, the, the, the points and the cachet. Where if he has a bad game, you say, oh, well, look, anybody's thought it's a bad game because he has been so amazing 
these last couple of years in the postseason, you know, and at the end of this game, sure what a fiery competitor he was after the quasi desperation three, which almost went in from Marcus smart goes out of bounds, uh, as the Boston offensive player, I believe it was Jalen Brown, goes over the top of Larry Knox out of bounds. There's 0.5 seconds left to go. Boston's out of timeouts. And Larry wants to inbound the ball quick. And Nick Nurse calls a timeout. And Larry said, screw, why are we calling timeout? Don't call a timeout. We'll just inbound the ball. Game's over. And he and Nurse are going at it with each other. And Nick Nurse is a great coach, an absolutely phenomenal coach. He's done a brilliant job with his team, coach of the year, uh, absolutely without a doubt, well earned. and had my vote not that i have one even though i should but just to show the competitive nature of kyle lowry and always thinking how hungry how much he'd had his head is in the game uh you know why we call him give me the ball and go we inbound it game's over uh and then post-game interview he was just he, he dragged his ass to the locker room he was literally exhausted and simply said in the post-game interview whatever we got to do to win whatever we got to do to win simple as that well, what a novel concept, too, from Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors. Because one of the things I, I despise, honestly, watching the NBA, and sometimes the reason why I don't tune in till the third or fourth quarter, because the game usually goes so back and forth, you don't have to kill yourself to make sure you catch every possession, is coaches that love and fall in love with their rotations. They put in a rotation, the starting five for the tip-off, and sometimes there's one or two guys out there where you know they're not going to be in at the end of the game. The hell are you doing starting them? Then these guys need to get their substitutions, need to get their rest. So in comes the second unit with these dogs on some of these teams. And you just hope that your team doesn't fall too far behind when they're out there so the stars can come back in. And it's a pendulum back and forth until you get to the point in the fourth quarter where you know, okay, the best players on our team, hopefully, will be out on the floor. Nick Nurse looks at the Raptors and says, hey, you know what? My best player is Kyle Lowry. My second best player, Siakam. My third best player, Fred, don't call me Van Fleet. I'm not part it's of the hard, band. It's a hard name to pronounce. I'm not I part of the you band. Really, you really have to go slow it is tough. when you pronounce his name because you want to say Van Fleet. It's really hard to get that second V out. He, he really screwed with us. But besides the point... A, a trifecta of their best players. The game previous to this, they play the entire second half. Tonight, Kyle Lowry plays 53 minutes. What a novel concept in the postseason when these games count to put your best players out on the floor and not have them coming in and out of the game. Oh, make sure they get their two minute rest. It's a shame. There's no TV timeouts because so-and-so is not used to suck it up, dude. We're in the postseason now. A minute and a half. Isn't going to make or break the difference of you being able to run a little bit faster on one play. And if it does, that's unfortunate, but good on Nick nurse for putting his best players on the floor when it counts, especially in the second half. I don't expect you to ride all five guys at once like a lot of teams have to do in college, which makes me like college a little bit more because if a team actually has decent players and stars, which is few and far between, but you see them mostly all game, they're going to be playing. Maybe there's 10 seconds left in the first half. They have a couple fouls. They take them out. But for the majority of the game in college for the best teams, they play their best players. In the NBA, it's sometimes just a circus merry-go-round of coming in and out, making sure we get the right rotations. Oh, let's play this guy and see if he's okay. And that's what gets some teams in trouble, our favorite team in trouble included, which we'll get to down the line. I love that about Nick Nurse. Go out there and win the game. I know you're going to be dead tired as his players were after game six, but you know what? We've got a game seven now. Put a little ice on it. Get the heating pad. Jump in the hot tub. We'll see you back here in two nights. We don't have to travel. Yeah. What, what else are you doing? Sit in the room all day for the, for the following day. Watch some film. You don't even have to come to practice if you're too tired, but at least we have a game seven. It's working. More teams should uh, do that if they can. As, as I said, I'm just hoping. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Toronto for all the reasons I just said. And I think either team against Miami will be a very good series. 
obviously Miami with a huge advantage in terms of their rest and readiness and, uh, you know, playing in their home state. Uh, not that that's you know, going to help because there's no crowds, but th- the point is whichever one of these teams survives, they certainly will be battle-tested. Uh, Miami, which eliminated the Bucks in five without Giannis, has just played remarkably well. Uh, they've only lost the one game so far. Uh, and they are looking young and ferocious. But again, they are very young, very inexperienced. So far, so good. But they haven't gone up against a experienced, battle-tested playoff team. And I do mean that about the Bucs. The Bucs are not that battle-tested, experienced playoff team. Uh, and they lost last year uh, you know, in, in an upset, losing four straight to Toronto. So I do believe that whichever team comes out of this seven-game series will have an advantage, but that advantage will clearly be mitigated by the fact that the Heat are fresh, ready, and and raring to go. And they've got a terrific coach, and they are really shooting the ball incredibly well from three, sharing the ball. Uh, They had uh, the other night their second most – another one of your goofy new report passes – New report statistics. Their most passes, I think, in a game since 2014. I, I think I heard that right. Like, like uh, you know, whatever. But the ball is moving. Uh, and when you make shots, the ball continues to move and everybody's sharing. Whether it's, you know, Tyler, don't be a hero. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson uh, or the Southpaw. Uh, or you know, down low to uh, to Bam Bam, uh, they're playing really, really well. And uh, you know, Coach Riley has done it again. The genius has done it again. He's put together a young, athletic, versatile franchise through the draft. Plenty of cap room, and we know that their coach is the championship coach. So, uh, whomever it is that they take on, uh, Boston or Toronto will have their hands full in the heat. Well, and it was another example regarding the rest argument and discussion of the postseason happened in the first couple games of the Bucks Heat series. Close games, you're looking around, trying to get a feel of who's going to come out on top. And in some moments, Giannis is sitting on the bench and everybody on social media is going, what the hell are they doing sitting him down? That's your guy. Put him out there. Let me ask you what, two things about the Bucks. Number one, what do you think for Obviously, he, he was not held 100%, so that's problem number one. But other than that, what is to you the missing ingredient that made this postseason uh, so difficult for the Bucks? I don't think that they have the other guy. And by the other guy, and I heard this was getting thrown around as well, that Antetokounmpo is Pippen and he needs his Jordan. Well, then other people were countering saying he doesn't need his Jordan because he's not Pippen. He's more Shaq and he needs a Kobe. So if you take that side of the argument, I don't think Chris Middleton is going to fill those shoes of a Kobe. He's not going to fill those shoes, but Chris Middleton is, is a, a really good player. It's a good player. And he played and he played really well in these playoffs. I don't think they need I, I think they need some heart. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not saying that they don't try. I'm not saying that they don't care. I think that third guy has to be the engine. I think that third guy has to be, you know, a healthy type a, a Bledsoe who's healthy and plays with fire. Bledsoe's good enough, has the skill set, has the athleticism. Bledsoe just doesn't play enough. And I don't think, I think that team needs some fire. I think that team needs, you know, oh, oh, not not now, but I think that team needs a young Rajon Ronda. Somebody like that, that is not afraid to yell at everybody. Somebody who's not afraid to light a fire under his teammates. Somebody who's not afraid to call his teammates out. Dare I say a Kyle Lowry type, even if it's not to that skill set, a young Kyle Lowry type. But the point is 
I think that is what they are missing. I think they are missing some fire. Well, we saw it because of the team they went up against. Who has the perfect fire guy on the team with the symbol of fire on their jerseys? Jimmy Butler is that guy. Jimmy Butler will tell you what's up. Jimmy Butler will do what it takes to win. And if you don't come along with him, he'll leave. So and he I did. was remiss him out of my, uh, my you know, breakdown of the heat because he was remarkable in game one when he had 40. Um, and he's, he, he's been there. He's been, you're right. He's been the glue guy. He's been the guy who takes quote unquote the heat who'll be in the press conference, who will call the guys out and who will, uh, you know, put it on his shoulders, happy to be out of Philly uh, where he thought they were too soft, which I love. I I love a guy who thinks his team isn't tough enough. That to me shows uh, the trademark of somebody who wants to win and will put his nose to the grindstone and pedal to the metal to win. Because to me, that's, that that's that that's that extra. That's that something that you you can't touch. You can't uh, that intangible that separates you know good teams from great teams. It separates runner ups from champions. And I think that's what Kyle Lowry's got. I think that's what a young Rajon Rondo had with the Celtics. Chris Paul, as great as he is, has never he's tried to show it, and he's shown it in games but he hasn't been able to do it in series. He's always managed to get small every time a a big moment came up in a series. So uh, it's not something that everybody's got. It's hard to get. Only one team wins a championship. Only two teams go to the finals. Bucks haven't made either yet. And I, I, I would, you haven't done either yet. Win a championship or even go to the finals. And I think they've got a wonderful player. Um, who's unique and extraordinary, to say the least, getting better. I thought it was terrific what they did in not risking him, saying, I know you want to play. We're not going to let you play. You're down 3-1. And I am in the distinct minority, I believe. I think he's going to stay. And I think he's going to sign the extension in this offseason because I don't think he's going to want to play next year with all the constant questioning to him, of him, his coach, his front office, his owner, who I went to law school, by the way, just goes to show you uh, the success of my law school, New York Law School breeds. We've got a billionaire on the one end who owns the box, who was a year behind me, and you're yours truly, who was sitting in the student lounge playing poker. Yeah, you're, you're doing uh, guess, a podcast with me, so what the hell happened? <laughs> well, you are the new report, so uh, he's closer to you. You know, he's, he's he's only a year behind me age-wise, but, you know, this guy's as a billionaire, owns the Bucks, and, uh, you know, I am uh, still muddling along uh, doing my real estate closings, uh, a mere country lawyer. But regardless, the point is, I, I don't think he's going to want to put that kind of pressure on the entire franchise or play under it himself. I think he's going to want to lift the cloud because he's a loyal kid. And he thinks an awful lot of that franchise and the way they've treated him. And I think he's going to sign the extension now before, you know, before the next season starts or gets too far into it uh, to help them in every way, shape or form move towards a championship next year. Because Middleton is signed. So Middleton's not going over. So he's got his second guy. Right. If they can find a way to bring in another guy who gives kind of a combination of what you and I said together. Because remember, they lost a really good player in, you know, the kid who jumped uh, over to Indiana. Um, he was, you know, he, he's a very gritty, hardworking player. And that's the kind of guy that you know, I think they're missing. He's a forward. I'd like to see it more out of a guard. But, you know, you put him back on this team in healthy Bledsoe, then you, know, you got something. But that's not happening. Healthy Bledsoe, but you still need. You know, that other guy who really brings that kind of fire. Um, and I think they will work very hard to make that type of addition. You think the coach stays? It's a, it's a tough world in the NBA for coaches. It sure is. 
especially when you think, wow, they've obviously done enough. And especially in a year where the circumstances of this season were completely derailed when the bubble had to start, when the pandemic happened, it's tough to look at a coach after this season and say, well, maybe we should move in another direction. It's unfortunate and, and, that they're and, not and all getting the benefit of the doubt. In case you didn't see it, folks, uh, you know, Billy Donovan, who took OKC much further than anybody anticipated. Nobody thought they were a playoff team. And they took the Rockets seven. Now, granted, some of Billy's decisions in that game were not exactly uh, – let's, let's call them questionable. You know, in the second and a half ago, inbounding the ball to the big guy 40 feet from the hoop. Twice, Al, twice. Two inbound plays in a row. What the hell are you doing? They put that tape up when they sat down for an extension and said, we're out. He's a quality NBA coach. He is. As is Nate McMillan, also out of a job. Uh, Both of whom I think are going to be coaching next year. The question is where? Philly. Obviously, Indiana would not be the spot for Nate McMillan. But Philly is open. New Orleans is open. OKC is, of course, open. Uh, I could see Nate McMillan in any one of those spots. Philly desperately needs a quality coach who is a leader who could instill some uh, some discipline in that young group and coach them up as well. And New Orleans, more of the same. Like Alvin Gentry is a guy, never thought he was a good coach. Uh, not a bad man, very nice man, class act, but never thought he was a very good coach. Mediocre at best. Uh, so... You know, you've got some playoff jobs, three that we just rattled off, wide open. And very curious to see if there's going to be any of these coaches going from one to the other. You know, if Houston loses, is D'Antoni out? Uh, you know, is Pop staying put? So the coaching musical chairs, very curious. But I, I would be shocked if Billy Donovan and – unless he just wants to take a year off. Uh, and going to the booth, uh, I'd be very surprised if Billy Donovan and Nate McMillan weren't NBA head coaches next year. Supposedly the Thunder organization knew this was probably going to be coming because despite what Billy Donovan did with the team, I guess they're still thinking, Hey, uh, we're trying to tank here, man. We're not trying to be going to the postseason like this. We have all these picks. 75 first. Yeah. They, they have a ton of picks. Between the Chris, between the Paul George deal and the 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 Russ deal, you know, how many first round picks have they got in the next two three years? They, they got yeah. like half a dozen first round picks, don't they? I want to say it's something like fourteen, or I, I I forget the number, but it's ridiculous. So I can understand them saying that and him saying the other direction that he wants to go in. What was great about it is apparently. They just brought in a case of beer and sat down and chatted about the old times while they went over the inevitable. I think all job negotiations and contract negotiations should be just that no matter which way it's going to go. Either we're letting you go or giving you the raise or we're sticking around with you, but here's a couple beers. Let's just shoot it for a couple of minutes here. I like that. I like that from the thunder. So nice way to go out for Billy Donovan. We'll see where he ends up because he, he will be a hot commodity. And it's interesting if the bucks try and maybe move in the direction of, all right, Giannis, we want you to sign this extension early. What do we need to do for you to do that? Do you want to keep your coach or do you want us to move in a different direction? Maybe he they'll ask the star. Seems to, he seems to rave about coach, Bud. yeah, he does. He does. So, you know, I mean, is that and is that doesn't that always micro- work. Is either. that for the microphone? Yeah, it doesn't always is work that for real players could do that all the time. Oh, I love my coach in public, even behind closed doors. But then after yeah, a couple I, of years, the team see, has to I say, like, see, no, it's not. Working. I could see Billy Donovan as the next coach. Of the Bucks. Yeah, we'll see. What I do know is it has. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. And especially with the circumstances of this postseason, but just the series in general, especially in the Eastern Conference, we've had some pretty damn good runs up to this point. And I know a lot of people were iffy about how the postseason would be bubble aside because there's not that that dynasty in it anymore like the Golden State Warriors. There's not the LeBron James Cavs coming out of the East. It was pretty much up in the air this postseason, and we've had some thrillers the game that we just watched tonight, almost the top of the list. I mean, if that's a game seven and it goes that way, 
that's one of the best playoff games in years if it's a game seven. Remember the game three, the buzzer beater. Right. The point for, there's no other sport. There's no other sport. I'm sorry. And, you know, I'm, baseball's my sport. It's my, it's my favorite sport. Uh, and, you know, no time. But anybody, football, high, point five, point five down two. You know, it, it, it's like being, you know, you're, you're down 15 runs with two outs and two strikes in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, you know, you're, you're down a touchdown with the ball at your own half yard line with a second to go. But in the NBA, it's doable. I thought a huge mistake by the great coach uh, of, of the Celtics, uh, Brad Stevens, when he did not have his team totally disregard the two. Just you're up two. The only way you can lose is a three. And they've got 0.5 to go, which means you know, it's even hard to catch a contested pass and tip it. Right. So, you know, line up at the three-point line. Everybody, forget about the inbounds and, and, and you know, you know talk, the, the, the big taco man. All right. Don't defend the inbounds because he can't get it back. The passer can't get it back. Six on five, and don't even worry about it being six on five. Six guys with the, the back of their feet on the three-point line. Yeah. And if a guy beats you to the basket, react and defend and go up for the ball. And if he if he's manages to somehow catch it and tip it in, so be it. You go to overtime. But you cannot give up a three under any circumstances. Just you're zoning up the line. All you have to do is go to the guy in your area. You don't have to worry about running around screens. You don't have to worry about a guy, a guy being wide open on the other side of the court. That's your side. That's your side. That pass cannot get where, it's, get where it got. As great a pass as it was from Kyle Lowry, and it was amazing. The West Sunsub uh, outlet slash soccer throw-in pass. But that ball can't get there. You need to be standing there contesting it when it comes down, not chasing it. And I was shocked, and I can't understand why more teams don't just defend the line, zone up the line. I know Brad Stevens has forgot more basketball than I will ever know. Doubtful, but I'm saying it to be complimentary. Defend the line. And yet they don't. That gets us to a game three, which they win, get blown out in game four, a stunning game five. Game seven. Rockets and Thunder that we just talked about. Unbelievable game. You yep. know, Chris Paul spits the bit again, gives the ball up 30 feet from the basket. With Chris, what are you doing? You're not giving it up to a wide open guy, 25 feet from the basket. You're giving it to a guy who's completely covered. And the ball gets tipped and scrambled up. What are you thinking? You know, okay, you missed a bunny. and I, I, The missed shots are going to happen. But, you know, you're Chris Paul. Supposedly one of the great point guards of all time, although not in my top five. And never will be. And that's just the reason why. How do you not get to the basket and either shoot or get to the basket and kick? Instead, you pull up 30 feet from the basket on the right side and give it to a guy who's more covered than you are. What are you thinking? But, as I said, to start the conversation, to start the program, it has been bubblicious. I'm thrilled with it. It's been awesome. It has been great. And I don't want to say it's surprisingly been great because I don't think that's fair for the amount of work that the league put in to make this environment happen, to make it successful, to make it to where still, even when they invited in friends and family, no positive cases in the bubble. Now and people are coming and going. Some teams are going home. Some reporters are going home. So the door is swinging open a lot more than it once was, but we're still clean. It's Adam fascinating. Silver company are to be commended, as is Ms. Roberts, the head of the Players Association. They have done it. Michelle Roberts has done a brilliant job in leading her group. Um, we haven't even discussed everything that was accomplished from uh, them taking their stand uh, against the injustice that we've seen throughout the country and then making a statement, which was clearly heard regardless of what your politics are. Um, 
they've done a wonderful job from top to bottom. And I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I thought the East would be incredibly competitive once we got through the first round. I was clearly wrong about the Heat and the Buck series. Um, I, I thought that would be a knockdown dragout series. I have said all along that I thought the winner of the Celtics and Raptors series was going to the NBA Finals. And I still believe that if they can recover. Um, but that remains to be seen. But I thought that series, as we've talked about, you know, I've said it a number of times, I thought that series was just going to be an amazing series. It has been. And the Celtics, and, or excuse me, the, the Bucks and the Heat weren't competitive in terms of the number of games, but it was still a competitive series. And the Bucks are to be commended for fighting without their leader and their best player. But look, the Heat just outplayed them from pillar to post. They outplayed them. Um, every game that they won, uh, they outplayed them. And you know, they, they deserve to be right where they are. And I think it'll be a terrific final. And uh, I, I think whoever comes out of these Western Conference semis, hopefully it's our team, and it will probably be the Clippers. I think that will be a terrific series. I'll root hard for my team. I have no idea who will win. I think it'll be incredibly competitive, and uh, I, I expect it to be a long series. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. It's what everybody has been waiting to see. Everybody has been pointing towards Lakers, Clippers, literally from the opening tap of the NBA season. And Lakers go up 2-1 last night with a resounding fourth quarter in which they turned up the defense to an amazing level. And the clip joined our in control tonight of the Nuggets trying to get that series to 3-1. Tell me your thoughts on the Lakers and the Rockets last night. When the Lakers are clicking like they have been for the fourth quarters of this series in game one and game two. It's, it's what makes us sometimes sound pissy when we're talking about why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Because we've seen them do X, Y, and Z well. And when they do, you just throw your hands in the air. Like, where has this been? <laughs> Which is what happened in game two. All of a sudden the Rockets are, it's back and forth. And in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, they look like garbage on the offensive side because the Lakers turned up their defense to a, a championship level defense. I forget the exact number. I think the Rockets only scored like 36 points in the second half or something. Indeed. Indeed. The, the Laker defense in the first half was horrendous. Their weak side help was non-existent. They looked lazy. They looked like they weren't even trying to defend the paint. And then they turned it up, made some adjustments according to LeBron. And look, the Lakers staff is to be commended. Frank Vogel uh, has really done it. And Lionel Hollins and Jason Kidd have done a great job. And last night, as great as LeBron played and Anthony Davis played, look, the difference was clearly playoff Rondo. He was brilliant. Your guy, finally. He was, he was brilliant, made shots, but didn't force shots. I thought the shot he took and made in a tie game from the right side with the clock shot expiring to put them up three was the biggest shot of the game. I thought the game flipped right there. Not so much the score, but the way he played flipped. He really was brimming after that from head to toe on both sides of the ball, as was Frank Vogel in letting him go and basically saying to LeBron, get in the post, get off the ball. And as I discussed with Nick Wright tonight, what that does is when you take LeBron off of the ball on offense, you give him a chance to rest. And that allows him to play the kind of defense last night, which was off the charts because against this team, they can take their two big guys off the court in McGee and Howard who unselfishly aren't pitching and realizing that there's no place for them in this game because they still have the two biggest guys on the court in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They still have the two best shot blockers on the floor of anybody playing because the Rockets are so undersized. That allowed LeBron to basically play off his guy, be the weak side helper and just explore 
and, and patrol the paint, whether it's, you know, the famed uh, you know, backside block from LeBron, the catch-up block, whether it's, you know, the, the straight-on block, whether it's Anthony Davis with the principle of verticality saying you can't shoot over me and their ability to stay on their feet and not foul and keep James Harden off. Harden and Russ both had excellent shooting games, but they kept him off the foul line. And, you know, Eric Gordon is what he is, you know, two for 11. Uh, I, I'm living and dying with Eric Gordon beating me because Eric Gordon to me is not a great player. Eric Gordon's an okay player, and I'll go down with the ship with Eric Gordon taking his 15 3. Did you hear them last night say that he was or could potentially be their big three guy? The announcing crew brought up Eric Gordon could be that missing piece and make them into a big three. I, I had to see if my TV was on a different channel or I was picking up a different stream. Eric Gordon's going to be the big three to James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Oh, look at his postseason numbers. He scored 20 points. And what? <laughs> well, okay. Eric if, if Eric Gordon's going to beat us and be the big three, beat anybody. Hats off to you, man. I couldn't believe Eric that. Eric Gordon's a nice player. He lives at the three-point line, and you know, he, he's streaky. He'll make a couple big ones, and then he'll miss six or seven in a row. So I am going down with Eric Gordon like I'm going down you know, with the Titanic. He is not beating me. If he beats me, then you know, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm Captain Smith at, at, at down. <laughs> uh, he is not that third guy. And they, look, they, they may go out and win another game in this series, and Eric Gordon puts up third. But Eric Gordon's not going to do that for a series. Right. And that's what they need. They will have games where they make a ton of threes, but they are not going to have four games against the Lakers where they're going to make enough threes to beat the Lakers because the Lakers can get a ton of twos. And Stan Van Gundy, to his credit last night, said, the Lakers can get layups if they just keep cutting. And a guy we haven't mentioned yet did just that. Kyle Kuzma had a great game last night. He did. Kyle Kuzma didn't force anything. Kyle Kuzma defended very well. He was appreciated by Vogel. He got minutes and he got points. And his points were all layups and dunks because he just kept cutting. Stan Van Gundy commented that the Rockets were playing watch the ball defense. They were watching the ball in the hands of LeBron James or Anthony Davis, and they weren't guarding cutters closely enough. And all Kuzma kept doing was moving without the ball. He was like a whirling dervish last night. He was cutting, cutting, baseline cuts, foul line cuts, uh, you know, cuts from the three-point, running the court on breaks, steals, breakaway dunks. I don't think he, I don't think he had more than one jump shot. I know he didn't have any three-pointers. I don't think he had more than one jump shot. They were they were all lands and dunks off of feeds, dishes, passes, and runouts. And that's what I want. That's what you want to see because those are easy buckets. And those discourage the other team. When you get easy, there's nothing more discouraging on defense than when you're giving up easy buckets and a guy's you know on the run by himself in a lane and the defense is looking at each other. You know, good teams realize, and the Lakers have talked about it, look, they're going to make some threes. They're going to make some threes. What the Lakers did last night is they doubled James Harden and their rotations out of the double team on James Harden were so quick and well orchestrated with the smaller team on the floor, you know, without McGee and without Howard on the floor and Davis being the biggest guy. And sometimes Davis not even being on the floor uh, and Caruso and Marquise Morris being on the floor. Their rotation out of the double teams was astounding. That skip pass always seem to be arriving at the same time as a Laker. Yep. Remarkable. And then that turned into steals, deflections, batted balls, runouts, quick points. And then you have LeBron to seal it when need be. Um, and he got to the foul line last night, 10 free throws. I would like to see him make more, but him getting there is a start. That's right. step one, making him a step two. But, you know, if he's going to shoot as many free throws as James Harden, that's a good thing. 
Still things to fix. Obviously, you want to see Danny Green score more than two points if he's going to play 22 minutes, and they got him to score but can, but, points. But again, this is what we talked about also. Yeah, you want Danny Green to score more, but if Rondo's going to score 21, you right. need Danny That's Green the thing. to score more. If you it have somebody have, else do it, it's it okay. It doesn't have to be any one third guy. It's just got to be a third guy. It exactly. could be a different guy every freaking night. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be Kuzma, it could be Green, it could be OCP, it could be Marquise Morris, or Marquise Morris. I can't keep him straight. Um, R. Morris, like it was in game two, who came out of the box with four threes in the first right. quarter. So it really doesn't – there is no particular guy. The same way, you know, the, the two Laker championships with Kobe and Gasol didn't have that one third guy. You know, it was Fisher, it was Artes, it was uh, – you know, at times, uh, he was there for the first year. Portland now, UCLA, Nick Draftek, small forward, good three-point shooter, drawing a blank. Help me. <laughs> this, is the be- this is the best Trevor part Reason. of the show. Damn it. That was quick. Trevor Reason, the first year. Uh, then our test replaced him in big spots. Obviously, Fish. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be that quote-unquote third guy where you have the big three. Just somebody's got to be there to step up to help the other two guys out when the time comes. And that's the key. And it's got to be one guy for four games in a series. What you like to see, especially in game three specifically, was what we sort of yelled at LeBron for not doing in game one or not doing previously in this series where the defense wasn't there in the first half. So he he scored. He took the basketball and he scored and he kept them in the game, dropping 26 in the first half. Second half comes along, the defense comes with it. He goes down to the post, not relaxes, but plays a different role, not trying to score Easy every buckets. two seconds. Easy I don't think buckets. he scored in the third in the third quarter. If he did, it was nope. from the but, line. But they, they, again, they can't guard him in the post. Right. It, it, it was, this isn't working. Let's do this. This is working. Let's do that. They, they had a great game plan, and, and Houston hasn't shot awful. Especially no, in their last they, two games, shoot, statistically but, but again, they're shooting what, what great. What the Lakers but did last night is they minimized the number of. They're threes. minimizing the shots because of their defense and their rotations. Houston wasn't even close to that. You know, they got to put up fifty threes. They weren't even close to putting up fifty threes. And you know the other thing about LeBron, as big as strong as he is, you know, when he goes down the lane against them, the second guy to help is is not a big enough guy to stop him. Yes, he made pick up a charge once in a while, but that second guy who comes over from the weak side to help is not a big enough, strong enough defender without Clint Capella there to make a difference. He just goes right up and lays it in. He's able to decide, which is nice. Am I going to lay this one in or am I going to try to throw it out to somebody, see if they'll make a shot? So after three games, Lakers fans are not as, I don't think we've, there's been panic at any point, but there's no, not as I much, there's not as right much now, yelling. I think right now as Laker fans, we are comfortable Keep it up. in our own right. skin. Keep it up. We're not, we, we haven't played great. I don't think we've seen, you know, uh, against the Blazers, uh, you know, we, we saw a couple of games. We saw the best of the Lakers. We haven't seen the best of the Lakers in this series yet, but they are playing a good team. The Rockets are a good team. I don't like their style, uh, but they've got two MVPs in the backcourt. So you know, those guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame, regardless of the fact that I don't like the way the Rockets play, and I can't stand that style of play that is so three-point oriented. Um, they're a good team. They've been to the conference finals. They've got a Hall of Fame backcourt. Both of them were MVPs and, and, and still great players. So they're going to be a tough out. But – I think the best of the Lakers in this series is still to come. The only thing that makes you a little frustrated is in the West for these series is they're obviously going to have to work their tail off to beat Houston more likely than not, unless Houston has one of those let's miss 22 consecutive three pointer games and you can just watch them shoot. (laughs) We were hoping for that. I could, I could use a Cadillac. It would be nice. I could use a hand ride home victory. Do you watch the Clippers no, series? I'm not anticipating it, but I would love to see, you know, game three be a 20 point Laker win with LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis on the bench for the last eight minutes of the game. Right. Cause conversely 
you're watching the Clippers play the Nuggets, and you know that the Clippers don't have to put their foot on the gas to to get to where they want to go. When they when they just laze around, which they did in the loss to Denver, it's like, well, how come you guys just don't try and get this over with? Seems like they're trying in game four, so they should be okay. And like you mentioned earlier in the show, nobody's going to stick their nose up at Clippers, potentially Lakers. I mean, Clippers Rockets too would be a great series, to be honest. If Destroy him. Five games. Yeah, could be. Could be. Five games. Let's hope that happens in the series that they're currently playing. Shockingly enough, although it's taken a little bit longer than normal and taken long enough with um, as much time passed that we probably didn't think we would reach this day or show. Thankfully, we're on the cusp, as we mentioned, to start the show of the National Football League and how weird it, it feels as a football fan without having preseason football, hard knocks not being as maybe entertaining or as much watch television without there being preseason football. I found it hard, at least for myself, to be into football mode yet. I know college football has quote unquote been back as I put up my quotational Chris Farley fingers, but I haven't really watched a lick of that. I just turned it on to see what it was going to look like for a little bit, but I'm not watching random state play random university. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> just, just doesn't do it for me. We're going to have the national football league on Thursday night, pretty much must see TV for the first game out of the shoot. Not only it being the first game out of a pandemic to see what it'll look like, but the matchup in general has been one people have been looking forward to since the schedule comes out. So I guess we have to put together who we think is going to be good this year, huh? <laughs> Without having seen much of any team, honestly. We're just going by names, faces, and last year's stats and throwing that up in the air and into a hat and seeing what we pull out. That's exciting. This, is, this makes for an exciting show. Are you ready with your division winners and wild cards in each conference? Yeah, what the hell? I'll see what I okay. can throw together. I think the NFC will is clearly the better conference uh, because of obviously some movement. Uh, a certain guy from New England over in Tampa, um, but a certain guy from Carolina up in New England. So I am still picking them to win the division. Uh, I see ten and six, maybe eleven and five, despite. Uh, four or five guys who are not superstars, but important players opting out because of the virus. So I still like New England in the AFC uh, East. I am sticking with my Ravens in the AFC North. Down South, uh, I think has a chance to be the most competitive division because of the addition of Phillip Rivers' old folks who is 107 years old, but regardless, obviously the signing of the extension of the Houston quarterback makes them clearly the favorite because he's comfortable and hopefully Bill O'Brien doesn't totally butcher it. And we know that Tennessee went to the postseason and kicked ass. So, and we won't even mention the other team in that division, but the point is, that's incredibly competitive. And out West, your team took a huge hit, which is a heartbreaker, losing their best player for the season. Uh, so, you know, the Raiders, are they new and improved with all their draft picks? We'll see. Uh, we know who the class of that division is. Uh, and the Chargers have lost another valuable player during when James is out again. So my division picks are pretty easy. Patriots, Ravens, Texans, and of course the defending champion Chiefs. I'm going to make the same mistake in the AFC I made last year. I'm going to do it again because I think they're better. I like their coach. And I also think the rest of the conference is taking a step down. I am going with the Cleveland Browns to again win one of the two wild cards. Goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. The second wild card in the AFC is really a coin toss for me between the Raiders and the Colts. Uh, two quarterbacks I don't like at all. So uh, I am 
I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to take a flyer, and I'm going to go with the, uh, or excuse me, uh, the not the Colts, the Titans. Uh, I'm obviously going to go with uh, the Titans for uh, the second spot in the, uh, the the first wild card in the AFC ahead of the Browns, Colts, and uh, Raiders on the outside looking in. So that's my AFC picture. Picking Odell Beckham's Browns might certainly be a shitty decision when we get to the end of the year, but we'll find out if that's the case. <laughs> See what I did there, folks? Little That's a little poop reference on new report, old report. Probably didn't think we'd ever get to that in 80 plus episodes. All right. <laughs> so starting in the AFC East as well, am I actually excited to watch the Patriots? because of Cam Newton at the quarterback position. Part of me is very intrigued what he's going to look like now after injuries and now with Bill Belichick as his head coach and now with receivers that we're going to have a hard time figuring out who's who for several games if their names are not Julian Edelman and that's it. Going to be fascinating in New England. I, I, I think everybody has learned that you just don't go against the new England Patriots for the past two decades. Why should I change now until they prove me otherwise? So I too will take the Patriots to win the division in the North. I will go with your Ravens just because Ben Roethlisberger's arm as an older person. And now that he will not have the beard that he wore for so many months while rehabbing said injury and dealing with quarantine, the beard will most likely be gone as well. How will that affect him? Can't go against Lamar Jackson, my ACC guy in the South. Give me Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. And the only reason I say that is because Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the Houston Texans. I think he is easily the best quarterback in that division. Sorry, sling and Phil and sling and Gardner and whatever the Titans think they have at the quarterback position. The unfortunate thing for the Texans is Bill O'Brien not only coaches the team, but runs the team. He must have been on vacation or something, Al, when they signed Deshaun Watson to that lucrative extension the other day. Because he yeah, he either got an email, I don't know what happened, but he had to be somewhere because it was actually a good decision that they did. So there's no way he was around for it. He must have been getting one last vacation in for Labor Day weekend or something. Yeah, he was away. The, the, the owner emailed him the, the contract <laughs> the details. Emailed. They were doing something good, so he couldn't have been around for it. So we'll take the Texans. And in my division, you mentioned it, losing Von Miller is not only devastating as a football fan, but obviously more devastating as a Broncos fan because with a second-year quarterback, you think, well, if the defense is able to do its usual thing, all the pressure won't be on him. The offensive line is a little eh on the offense, so you won't have to worry too much if the defense is there. And now the, you can't replace a player like that. It's, it's impossible on a team, and especially this close to the season. I have no idea what the Broncos are going to look like now. Not like I was going to pick them in one division. It's obviously the Chiefs. Let's not kid ourselves. But you, you do in the back of your mind pretend that you hold out hope as a fan of any team, and unfortunately it's, it's going to be rough sledding, I think, for them now on both sides of the ball. Wild card wise, I don't hate the Bills. I'll throw them a bone and I will throw the Steelers a bone as well as my two teams, just because I don't know what Phil Rivers is going to look like in his new shindig. I don't really trust the Titans too much. I think that could come down to the last game of the season and I'll just flip a coin. And in the AFC West, just. If the Chiefs aren't playing, just don't even put the games on, unless it's to uh, to see what the new Raiders uniforms are going to look like. Other than that, you could just maybe skip over it. The best thing for Phil Rivers to do is hand the ball off and throw it about 15 times a game. And they can do that. They could do that. They've got receivers. They've got running backs. They've got a great, great draft pick uh, you know, with, with the steal of the rookie running back. But that's a tough division. And you know, we love – I love the way Tennessee can run the ball. I don't love their quarterback. I can't believe he can play this well again. They're incredibly well coached there. They got a heck of a defense, and they just added Javon Cloudy. So um, I am going to take them, uh, as I said, over uh, what I think will be somehow, some way, you know, the, the, the new look Vegas Raiders 
and uh, and, uh, and 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 the Colts, um, uh, which I think will be will be a close battle, especially especially with the Colts, because I don't love Phil Rivers, but I think they have a good enough team and good enough coach that they're going to be in the nine seven area. Um, and then we go to the NFC, which you know is incredibly competitive. Uh, with two terrific teams in the West, two or three, certainly maybe even four, some would argue, playoff potential playoff teams in the North, a newly minted South, and a hideous, uh, you would think, East, but no, no, not so much, because the Dallas Cowboys just might be a lot of teams, a lot of people's pick to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and the Eagles might actually have a healthy quarterback for a change. The Giants should be mediocre at best. And the Redskins, God bless Alex Smith, just please, Lord, keep him healthy. Don't hit him. Don't hit him below the waist. Um, I'm taking the Cowboys in the East. I am, as much as I hate doing it, and I do hate doing it, because I, I don't like the Saints. I've never liked the Saints since Archie Manning left. I didn't even like them then. I'm going to take the Saints, although I do think there may have something going in Tampa. Remains to be seen. It could be much to do about nothing. But they've got really good weapons, and they've got an improved defense that was really good last year. And you know, some of the numbers were very skewed because you know Jameis threw the ball to the other team a lot. So you know, in the thirty for thirty season. So I, I, I'm going with uh, Cowboys in the East. I'm going New Orleans in the South. I'm sticking with the Packers and the great Aaron Rodgers in the North. And uh, San Francisco is really good, and they're deep. But I love Pete Carroll, and I love their quarterback. So I'm taking Seattle in the West. And for my wild cards, I will take San Francisco. And boy, oh boy, is this tough between Tampa and – one of the central teams, you know, between Tampa and Minnesota, I'm going to take Minnesota and leave Tampa out. So that, wow. that that's that that's 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 the hardest choice for me. So I'm going to go with Minnesota and San Francisco's the Wildcats. I believe we both took Dallas last year, and then we laughed and waxed poetically about what a great decision that was early on in the season. And then they just completely fell apart. And you thought after they're never going to lose a game to, they might never win a game to the typical Dallas Cowboy up and down. Despite that, I will ride with them to win the East. I mean, it's put up or shut up time. If you're the Cowboys, you got it. You've got all your people back. Everything you want is there. Jerry can't come down. I don't believe to the locker room after the game. Like he always does to hold his court. I don't know what he's going to do. If he can't do that, probably just run onto the field to the star in the center of the stadium and have a megaphone. So everybody could hear his, his crazed rants after losses. Hopefully he'll be okay. But I think it's Dallas one of the microphone for the post game press. Conference. Oh, there's no question. It's, it's all a matter of how much social distancing rules and regulations and protocols will there be where, where will he be allowed access to? Will they allow him to his usual Johns? And if they do, he'll obviously be the first one to tell us how great of a team he has in the North. Things could get ugly Al, And we've seen this in the North once in a while. And for the Packers to just decide their wide receivers were fine and not get Aaron Rodgers any new weapons for the Vikings to lose a good amount of defensive starters from their team for the bears to be the bears with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback. And for the lions to be the lions who have just had unfortunate circumstance after unfortunate circumstance year after year, you could have an ugly NFC North if those things end up going and happening. But if I have to pick somebody, I have to go with Aaron Rodgers, despite the wide receivers he may have, he can make whatever phrase you want to do lemonade out of lemons or whatever it is in the South. I'm going to go with your out of playoffs bucks as my division winner, because 
just insert the name Tom Brady for the rant I had about the AFC East involving Bill Belichick, replace the name like it's a Mad Libs, and that's my thoughts with going against Tom Brady until he proves us otherwise. In the West, I love Russell Wilson, and if you're going to give me all those teams and one of them has Russell Wilson on it, I will take him over the others as well. So that will leave me with the Saints getting in, and I will go down to the West, and just because they're on hard knocks, and every year when a hard knocks team is the star of the show, I fall in love with them and think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Now, this season has been a lot different. They're going with a two-team approach. There's no preseason games. It's way more difficult to get an in-depth feel of a team and fall in love with them as much. But just because of the show and because of previous shows, I'll say that the LA Rams are the second team to get in to the postseason. Oh, LA Rams. You Give me the Rams. Play the hard knocks music, folks. Play it. Give me a hard time. Play it loud. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Folks, we are up against the clock. Those are the preseason playoff predictions. It literally does, in fact, kick off with the defending champ Kansas City Chiefs and the MVP, former MVP, excuse me, Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes against the newly minted, incredibly rich counterpart, Deshaun Watson. Chiefs, Texans, enjoy it. For my partner, the great John Tiny Lund uh, and the new report over report. I am Alvinado AKL from White Plants. Have a safe sports week, everybody. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.